Sales. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmasters Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. Today, details on Viterra's announcement of a new grain elevator in Bigger. President Kyle Jaworski also discusses grain movement this fall, as well as grain markets and prices. We have a feature interview on a new model for developing lentil varieties. The wheat growers are encouraging farmers to check their website to see a discussion on farm issues during the provincial election campaign. And dairy farmers of Canada are calling on Ottawa to follow through with promised support following recent trade deals with Europe and the United States. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Regina-based Viterra has announced construction of a multi-million dollar grain elevator at Bigger, about 350 kilometers northwest of Regina. President Kyle Jaworski says Viterra is revitalizing its presence in the Bigger area with the significant investment. Well, Bigger is a community that we currently have an elevator, but it's, uh, it's at the end of its useful life. It's an area that we've operated for a considerable amount of time. We have tremendous customer support in the area. Hence the need for redevelopment, and uh, we are we have designed and will be building a state-of-the-art facility to replace what we have in the community. How big a terminal are you building? We're building a facility that'll be just over thirty-four thousand metric tons. It's got a full loop track, and it's all has the the latest design in terms of uh, efficiency automation. So we're really excited about what we're bringing to the community. I imagine these terminals cost a lot of money. Are they expensive? Well, it's a, it's a very significant investment for us. Uh, it's one that, uh, again, we, we felt is needed in the area, but, uh, but it's uh, very significant in terms of the capital dollars, but it's uh, something that you know, we're pledging our commitment for the uh, area for years to come. How is grain movement right now? It's, uh, you know, we're in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. How is the grain shipping out? Grain movement for our supply chain is actually very fluid. Uh, both railways are providing steady movement opportunities for our products. In fact, uh, both railways have been setting records for grain shipments this year. Uh, there's been strong demand uh, from customers around the world, which has, uh, which has allowed us uh, to match that demand uh, with available rail shipments. You know, a lot of the opportunities have been created by investments by grain companies such as ourselves, but also investments by the railways. You know, we applaud the railways for a significant investment in hopper cars. So the new high capacity cars have come on stream over the last uh, year, year and a half with, uh, with both CP and CN uh, having new cars in their fleet and also commitments to bring on a new fleet in the year to come. So uh, that's really improved cycle times uh, within the railway, which has resulted in increased capacity that's available for us. So uh, we're, we're seeing, you know, really good supply chain movement and we're excited to see what's going to happen in terms of the winter rail uh, operating plans. You know, we all know that uh, we face winter challenges, but uh, we think that uh, with some of the investments that have made and, you know, some of the uh, lack of demand from other industries that we should see strong movement right throughout the winter. 
uh, is there strong demand then throughout the world for prairie grains? And what seems to be some of the grains that are most in demand? Well, there is there is strong demand, and and I think when you look at typical demand out of Canada, um, it, it's hard to go too far out. Uh, typically, we're looking at you know a, a three month window. You know, within the next three months or so, demand looks very good. And you know what's good about Canada is we produce a wide variety of crops, and uh, you're hard pressed to find uh, a crop that doesn't have solid demand right now. So we're seeing. Um, you know, good demand from our pulse crops. So from, you know, peas, lentils, we're also seeing good demand for barley, both malting and feed barley, you know, on top of uh, solid wheat demand, uh, solid canola demand. So really, um, you know, across the board, we're seeing, we're seeing good demand and, uh, and it's coming from multiple geographies which I think is positive in terms of, of our ability to supply and our risk profile as we move forward. And we've also seen some price improvements in recent weeks. Prices have, you know, for the most part, have been very solid. And in fact, uh, you know, some of the areas, you know, we're seeing prices that we haven't seen for a number of years. So, you know, we had very solid production in most areas combined with good pricing um, is creating good opportunities for our farm base. Kyle Jaworski is the president of Regina-based Viterra. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Salford Group. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. A new model for identifying lentil varieties best suited for climate change could lead to more strategic breeding decisions and better options for farmers in non-traditional lentil growing areas. An international research team that included University of Saskatchewan plant scientists grew 324 lentil varieties in major growing regions around the world. This included India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Morocco, Spain, Italy, the U.S., and of course, Saskatchewan. Lentils that grow well in one part of the world usually don't perform well in another, but parts of the germplasm could be used in breeding efforts. Kirsten Bett is a plant scientist at the University of Saskatchewan. There's lots of traits. Maybe there's new disease resistance or herbicide tolerance or quality traits that might be of interest that are currently exist not in the Canadian germplasm that we normally would be working with but we might want to cross with something that's exotic and what normally would happen is you cross with something exotic and then you might find something that has say increased disease resistance but at the same time it doesn't mature here or it flowers too early and so you get zero yield so it could be the most disease resistant thing out there but if it doesn't yield anything it's not going to do you any good. The new model is based on days to flowering which is influenced by hours of sunshine and the mean temperature. Days to flowering is a key driver of what we call adaptation so if things flower too early you will end up um, losing yield because there's not enough plant matter to sustain a large seed yield. And the opposite is if they flower too late, then we may run into problems at the other end of the season where they, in Western Canada, it would be they get frozen if we're too far north, let's say. That's less of a problem here. We were also growing, when we grew them in South Asia, we had the opposite problem where the Canadian lines flowered so late that they uh, fried up because it was getting too hot at the end of the season. They have the opposite problem to us. 
Bet says the model could be a time saver for lentil breeders. We are working on understanding the genetics, and if we understand the genetics, then we can apply tools such as marker-assisted selection, where we look at the DNA and say, okay, we can triage, basically. These plants are probably going to do well here. And more importantly, these ones are probably not going to do well here, so we're not going to waste any time or resources on those ones. We throw them out and we focus on the ones that have better potential for performing well here in Saskatchewan. Plant disease and climate change will mean that lentils will likely have to be grown in new areas in the future. That includes Western Canada. If we're going to be moving into non-traditional lentil growing regions for reasons such as getting away from all the aphanomyces that's out there, uh, we need to understand how to pick something that will work, say, further north or where it's cooler, that sort of thing. Bet talks about the cooperative effort with other lentil breeders in developing the model. Lentil, unlike, say, wheat, where there's lots of competition all over the world, in the world of lentils, there's not a whole lot of full-time breeders globally. And so we know them all. We've worked with them at various levels. Obviously, it's all pre-competitive because everybody also is trying to protect their industry. But when you're working on some basic traits, say, such as disease resistance, what's a problem here is not necessarily a problem somewhere else, but for some reason they have resistance, then we want to access that. Canadian funding for this research came from Genome Canada and was matched by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, the Western Grains Foundation, and the University of Saskatchewan. Bruce Coleman has been selected to serve as Interim Director of the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence near Clavet, southeast of Saskatoon. Coleman succeeds Chris Ringwall, who will retire at the end of the month. Coleman is a renowned forage breeder and professor emeritus in the Plant Sciences Department at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. An international search for a permanent director at the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence is now underway. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your RealAgriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at CanolaSchool.com. Sean Haney here with Real Ag Radio and realagriculture.com, and I'm joined right now by Marla Orenstein of the Canada West Foundation. Marla, how you doing? Hey there, Sean. How are you? Hey, great, great. So we're going to learn today about uh, a phrase. Now, these two words independently, I think we know what carbon is and we know what a tariff is, but I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot in the media right now, these two words put together. What, what is a carbon tariff? Yeah, so carbon tariffs are or carbon border adjustments are something that's been talked about a lot. The two-pronged rationale behind this. We've seen a lot of countries, Canada included, but not just Canada, um, imposing more and more regulations and legislations of different type um, to try to reduce uh, the greenhouse gas emissions, the carbon dioxide emissions, out of a lot of different sectors, mainly heavy industry, not just heavy industry. And so there's a lot of ways that we've seen in Canada that this is happening. We have carbon tax now. Uh, We've got the clean fuel standard proposed to try to bring down the carbon intensity. Um, A lot of things that governments are doing to try to reduce the carbon footprint. And this comes with cost. It it makes those goods that you're producing 
more expensive. Um, so there's a couple things that the, the border carbon adjustment is supposed to help. The first is the idea that you're making yourself uncompetitive, that when you're imposing these tariffs and the costs that are associated with them, it suddenly means that your own domestic uh, products are more expensive than imports that may not be subject to the same regulations and may not have the same costs. So by imposing these tariffs, it's one way of making sure that all of your domestic export or all your domestic products can compete with the imports uh, so that they're not disadvantaged by having to, to really obey these regulations. The second thing that it does is address something called carbon leakage. And this is where across the world, um, you you see a preference for things that are cheaper. They may not have the same sort of uh, GHG footprint reduction as the good stuff from home. And basically it means that you're outsourcing your, your carbon dioxide because everybody else is turning to the lower carbon versions because of the cost. And so a carbon border adjustment helps level the playing field in those two different ways. So this would take away some of the commentary that, well, you know, we're, we're going to do this in Canada. We're going to have this carbon tax, increased costs, and we're just going to import a whole bunch of cheap stuff from Brazil and China because they don't have the same regulations. This, count, exactly this counterbalances that. Okay. And in fact, it, it, it has an interesting upside as well, which is it could provide us with, with interesting market access as well. So Canada is certainly one of the countries that's bringing on all kinds of environmental legislation to lower emissions, but we're not the only ones. Um, the EU is a huge one. And that's one of the places where this idea of carbon border adjustment is really taking off. They're saying that there's going to be some countries to which tariff will not be applied because they also have similar legislation that requires um, this decrease in GHG emissions and, and increases the cost. Um, but there will be other countries that, that the carbon border adjustments will apply. These tariffs will apply because, like you say, um, maybe maybe it's Brazil, maybe it's China, um, but they haven't had to go through the same hoops to get there. So the EU um, may give Canadian um, preferential access or at least untariffed access to that market. Um, the other big player here is obviously the U.S. And we have the election coming up in just two weeks um, with some fairly different paths forward out of what could happen. You know, what we've seen under Trump is that he's not terribly interested in enacting um, environmental legislation or legislation that brings down greenhouse gas emissions, but Biden is. And so if Biden wins, his presidency will probably include a bunch of regulation in the U.S. that will make it... Um, a bit more of a level playing field between Canada and the U.S. And it will probably also bring in that same sort of border adjustment for the U.S. And so we want to be on the right side of that. So suddenly all the environmental legislation that looks like it might be costing us with respect to our biggest neighbor right now might actually suddenly be an advantage. Is this whole thing, this whole idea, this concept, is it WTO compliant? There's a lot of controversy around that. Um, some of it seems to be and some of it isn't. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather for today. Once again, remember, there's 
A bit of a storm warning for the southwest part of Saskatchewan today. Hards to believe late October. We're talking about a lot of snow. Partly cloudy in Regina with 60% chance of flurries. Wind up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high today minus 2. The low minus 9. Wind chill minus 7 tonight. Minus 16 overnight. Thursday light snow ending in the morning. Then mainly cloudy. Wind northwest 20. A high minus 5. Wind chill near minus 14. 30% chance of evening flurries. Thursday the low minus 14. Friday partly cloudy. The high minus 7. The low minus 12. Saturday, cloudy, the high minus 6, the low minus 11. Sunday, cloudy, the high minus 6, the low minus 10. Monday, sunny, the high minus 2, the low minus 7. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2. Normal high for this date is actually plus 9, the normal low minus 5. The sun rose at 7.31 this morning. It sets at 5.55 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, Maple Creek in the southwest corner, at 0.5 of a degree, almost 1 degree, plus 1. The cold spot nearby, swift current, minus 7 degrees. Esteban, minus 3. Saskatoon, minus 2. Swift current, once again, the cold spot in the province at minus 7. Weyburn, minus 3. Yorkton, minus 2. In Regina, with part to cloudy skies, it's minus 3. That's 26 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at 6. Humidity, 59%. The barometer rising, 102.3. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, minus 2. Winds are from the east at 8. Once again, Regina, part the cloudy, minus 3. That's 26 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association is encouraging farmers to check their website during the provincial election campaign. The wheat growers asked each of the registered parties six questions that they thought would be of interest to their members and specifically prairie grain farmers. Saskatchewan Director and past president Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel says it's important to know where the parties stand. Yeah, it is election season. doesn't matter if it's across the U.S. border or up here, federally or provincially, uh, municipally, there's elections going on all over the place. And so as a farm policy organization, we like to be really active when it comes to elections and asking you know, those that are running what their policy positions might be on any number of topics. So like we've done before, we put out a questionnaire and we sent it to all of the registered parties. And then uh, knowing that we were going to post it online and through our social media platforms so that anybody that was interested in the issues as they relate to agriculture through these parties, they could go on our website and and take a quick look. So we've posted that now. There's uh, so far two parties that have responded to the questionnaire. And as we get more answers in, we'll continue to, to post those. The two respondents so far are the SAS Party and the Progressive Conservative Party. Among the issues, grain transportation, agriculture innovation, high-speed internet, and grain exports. Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel encourages farmers to go to the Wheat Growers website to see the political answers so far to the farm issues. She and her husband farm in the Moss Bank area south of Moose Jaw. We're all done. We got done mid-September. 
so it was it was a good harvest. I mean, Mother Nature certainly cooperated this year. <laughs> Hate to say it, but we might have needed a bit of a break in the middle there somewhere. We had just exceptionally good harvest weather, so we were able to take the take the crops off in in really good time. We had uh, really great good yields out here. Quality was good. Uh, so for the most part, I think in this area, people are, are quite happy with the, the 2020 harvest. Jolly Nagel says they harvested three main crops. Now we were growing canola and lentils and durum wheat. Typically, you'd hear me uh, talking about our, our chickpeas rotation, but we didn't include chickpeas in, in the crop rotation this year. So we were down to just canola, durum wheat and lentils, large green lentils down in this area. Johnny Nagel says they did not seed any winter wheat or fall rye this year. No, no, we didn't. We we had in the past, we have seeded a winter wheat. It's, it's kind of nice in the spring knowing that some of the crop is seeded already, but no, it's been a number of years since we've since we've used any um, fall seeded crops. Sherilyn Jolly Nagel is the Saskatchewan director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. She's also a past president. Hey. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. The Dairy Farmers of Canada say promises were made by the federal government and the government needs to honour those promises. The Dairy Farmers held a news conference yesterday to bring attention to point out Dairy farmers have not been properly compensated by Ottawa for the impact of recent trade deals like the Canada-European Trade Agreement and the new NAFTA, which took effect July 1st. In both those cases, the Canadian dairy industry was forced to give up 3 or 4% market share to products from those nations. Throughout the process, the federal government has promised the industry billions of dollars in compensation. But that request for those promised funds is coming in the middle of a pandemic that's seen many Canadians lose their jobs and are struggling to make ends meet, as it appears much of the country is heading into a second wave of COVID. Dairy Farmers Vice President David Weens was asked about the timing of this demand. We were assured that in 2019 that it was in their budget and, and the, the compensation would be paid out over the next eight years. So, you know, in the meantime, we have waited. Uh, we were focused on production to ensure that uh, Canadians would have uh, sufficient uh, milk and dairy products available to them. And uh, it created uh, considerable hardship for, for dairy farmers as well, uh, considering the, the, the volatility uh, of the situation that we went through. So we feel that, uh, that you know, the, the government had made it very clear that they had already uh, set uh, funds aside in terms of, of budget over the next seven years. Weens also responded to a new study by Dalhousie and Guelph Universities suggesting major changes are needed to the supply management system. Supply management is something that has uh, worked very well for us uh, for the past 40 years and it's continued to adapt to uh, the new environment and, and we continue to see that. Um, it's interesting that when we uh, talk to our uh, dairy farmer counterparts in the U.S., they would very much like to have what we have here in supply management where we can continue to uh, provide the markets, you know, in a, and, and, and what we have is uh, with supply management, it creates uh, uh, fairly stable pricing. I mean, the pandemic uh, 
kind of uh, threw a, a, a twist into it like it did for all Canadians. Uh, but we we still we we were able to manage through it. So we don't we don't have to uh, continuously go to uh, government for uh, for bailouts to to keep us going. There may be those critics out there that uh, you know that uh, have their own views about about what we're expressed. But for those of us who who live in in in, in dairy and and within supply management, we've seen how well it works for us. That's the Dairy Farmers of Canada Vice President, David Weens. Today. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollows Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were moving up in early trading this morning. Canola gained $3.50 at 4.9377. Number 1 red spring wheat increased $2.32 at 2.4598. The rest were unchanged. Durham 2.7925. Feed barley $209.70. Flax 6.3791. Lentils 607.50, oats 190.53, and feed wheat 183.72. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures rose eight and three quarter cents at 5.86 and a half cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. And now the latest livestock quotes. Assiniboia Livestock had a pre-sorted calf sale on October 20th. 300 to 400 pound steers sold from 249 to 252. 400 to 450 pound steers sold from 231 to 240. 450 to 500 pound steers sold from 203 to 236. 500 to 550 pound steers sold from 204 to 220. 500 to 600 pound steers sold from 201 to 211. 600 to 650 pound steers sold from 193 to 200. 650 to 700 pound steers sold from 189 to 195. 700 to 800 pound steers sold from 189 to 197, 800 to 900 pounds steers sold for 161 to 186. Heifers were back about 30 cents. This is Jordan Stevens with the Cinnaboy Auction Mart Market Report. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,700 hogs Tuesday, selling a range of 182 to 212 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,700 head, selling a range of 183 to 214 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 22 to 27 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is up and four contract prices open mixed this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is up 15 basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.3138. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 76.26 cents US. US cash markets are maintaining value at present levels and the daily reference prices in US dollars 100 per hundred weight are once again higher. How long will this last? Looking in the past, and no matter what the price level was at the time, all markets typically start to show some weakness in the next couple of weeks. In fact, on average, all cash markets see a softening of prices consistently by marketing week 46, which for this year would be weekending November 14th, less than a month away. Again, 2020 has been anything but normal, so all eyes will be closely watching for clues on direction. 
Lean hog futures are mixed with the nearby showing some strength, while the deferreds are still trading under pressure from yesterday. Canadian forward contracts are slightly above benchmarks on average and would be considered fair value, although not at the higher level seen earlier. And coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca Canadian National Railway isn't quite ready to reinstate its 2021 guidance. It's experiencing a third quarter that saw its mix of business change with the economic recovery. The Montreal-based railway says its operating metrics are improving and it has brought back many of the employees furloughed because of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Canada's largest railway withdrew its full-year guidance when it released first-quarter financial results and is aiming to provide an annual guidance for 2021 in January. CN Rail has delivered seven consecutive monthly records for grain movement and says it's on track to deliver a record month in October. Canada's annual inflation rate increased to 0.5% in September from 0.1% in the previous two months. The rate came in ahead of the 0.4% that analysts had expected, in part because of higher post-secondary tuition fees and a 1.6% jump in the cost of food. But there were underlying signs of weakness in the Canadian economy, ongoing since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in March. Back-to-school shopping season wasn't as big as it was last year, and gasoline prices dropped 10.7% from a year ago. CIBC senior economist Royce Mendez says the Bank of Canada has every reason to maintain its monetary stimulus with headline inflation close to zero. Retail sales advanced for the fourth straight month in August but fell far short of expectations. Stats Canada says sales were up 0.4% to $53.2 billion, led by a 4.5% gain at building material and garden equipment suppliers. Economists on average had predicted an increase of 1.1%. Stats Can is predicting relatively flat retail sales in its preliminary outlook for September. On the markets, losses in the heavyweight industrial sector led the way down as Canada's main stock index fell in late morning trading and U.S. stock markets also retreated. The TSX Composite Index was down 60 points at 16,213. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 97 points at 28,211. The Canadian dollar traded at 76.17 cents U.S. compared with 76.12 cents U.S. on Tuesday. The December crude oil contract was down $1.41 at $40. $0.29 per barrel. That's the Resource Report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.